I've got lunatics laughing at me from the woods. My original plan has been scuppered now that the jeeps haven't arrived. My communications are completely broken down. Do you really believe that any of that can be helped by a cup of tea? Well, it couldn't hurt, sir. Andy, any guesses where of the quote from the film this week? Captain America. What the hell? No idea. I have no... Come on. Okay, okay, let's rewind. Let's rewind. You've got lunatics um, laughing at him from the woods, and he's been offered a cup of tea, and the jeeps have broken down. Let's put those things together. Bridge too far. Bridge too far. That was a good guess. <laughs> well done, Andy. That was, of course, Major General Urquhart uh, speaking with Corporal Hancock, who offered him a cup of tea at his, uh, his frustrations there. There, so I well done. Well. I remember well, well done. Well done, Andy. Very, very pleased with you for, for getting that. <laughs> but now on to more pressing matters. Um, so we, we've got not one, but two fabulous guests joining us this evening. Um, they are both Stu and Elle, a wonderful reenacting living history couple from the south of England who join us this evening. How the devil are you both? Very well, thank you. Good, thank you. It's great to see you. Thanks for inviting us on. Thank you. No problem. It's been a been a long time coming. Um, Stuart and Ella, long time listeners and long time awaited guests as well. So it's great to have you uh, to finally have you here. No, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, we we uh, missed out earlier in the year. We've been a bit busy at work, but we're glad to be here now. Yeah, absolutely. Key workers keeping things going. So uh, that's uh, that's really appreciated. And oh. um, and and obviously the last twelve months have been difficult for for everybody but especially you guys and your professions there as well but aside from your profession how you know how we have you guys kept busy over the last 12 months in the hobby you know how have you kept it alive because we're all missing it so much um well we've we've been saving quite a lot of money on fuel uh not going to events so yeah. we've also been doing quite a bit of buying uh, <laughs> so oh, yeah dangerous just, game i know as and when things come up um but yeah, just keep keeping those links going, really, with um, with people, other people in the hobby, keeping uh, yeah. in contact through social media and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we've been just on the lookout for bits and bobs to buy, you know, just just to keep our interest. Any in there. star buys? Yeah. Anything you want to share with us? Ah, uh, I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> just mainly, <laughs> you like him. Uh, <laughs> but mainly small things really um mm. we've we've bought quite a few um things over the years and i think now um it's more of a storage issue really so we're, we're just tending mm. to to focus on those smaller items yeah. with a view to hopefully one day getting a, like a px display together so right. just just on the lookout for those uh those nice little uh, you know shaving products and uh, that's yeah, sort of, you know all, all of those all products, those bits yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, storage is a, is a huge issue, isn't it? I mean, mm. we're having a bit of a you might you might have seen <laughs> on these selling groups. We should probably plug it as well now, Andy. Our uh, our group normally forty four is selling off yeah. a, a huge amount of our equipment, and um, we've got squad tents and pyramidals and you know you, you name it. We've pretty much got it for sale, and people are saying, "What's going on?" You know why are you getting rid of it all as the group disbanding? And we're like, no, it, it's not disbanding. It's just storage. You know, we, yeah. we keep this all in a, in a seven and a half ton truck in, in South Yorkshire somewhere. And we just don't have the logistical manpower to be able to transport, you know, 30 tons of, of, of gear to events, you know, and, and event organizers won't fund it, getting it there. You know, we used to take a law loader to, to get this mm-hmm. stuff there and event organizers won't fund it these days. And, as you mentioned there, storage-wise, if it's just the two of you in, in a car, you know, how do you get that all to an event? It's quite a challenge. That's the thing. Um, we, we may have actually bought four of your tables on Sunday. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. We, we, we saw the post and, uh, yeah, seeing those squad tents go up for sale, that broke my heart. Yeah, I've yeah. had so many good nights in there <laughs> over oh, the years. God, so, yeah. I mean... Some good memories. People aren't yeah. just buying a, an original World War II squad tent. They're buying an original World War II Normandy 44 party tent. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely. What that's what they're buying. And I guess for any listeners that are thinking, well, what the, what the hell is a, a, a Normandy 44 party tent? We used to put two uh, squad tents together, which are double the size of a pyramidal. Um, we give you a lot of sort of wiggle room in there. Put two together, so you've got sort of four pyramidals, the equivalent of smoke machines in there and... Um, full on light shows, karaoke, performers. It, we had some great nights in there, didn't we? Fantastic. Always packed out, weren't yeah. we? Always packed it, out. It used to be the people climbing the poles for me. I find that quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely guilty of that on one or two occasions. And, yeah, certainly, um, certainly. I think a couple of people had ranks stripped off them or severe tellings off the next day for uh, for being part of that. Yeah. 
Definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a shit that they that came to a bit of an abrupt end. Um, I think at the Victory Show in two thousand and fifteen, it got out of hand one evening there, and uh, there was a lot of mess and damage to the tent. And I think somebody was pissing on the tent, and that sort of put to bed. That was the final nail in the party tent coffin, I think, at that point. But um, yeah. have you have you sold the tent yet? After that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, good. I can I can see the switchboard lighting up now with potential buyers <laughs> wanting to buy it. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It had a thorough clean. Anybody listening, uh, <laughs> cut that bit out. Anyway, back so. the back left. But no, I mean, yeah, they're they're not. You know, they're not easy things to to get by. Those things, you know, yeah. to come by even. Yeah. Um, but just I guess transporting such such things is a is a is a bit, a bit of a trick as well. So um, you know, it has been amazing, hasn't it? How how much the hobbies adapted i think over the last 12 months um you know the podcast being one of the things but i've, I've seen both you guys being sort of really active on social media and it's, it's incredible how, how incredibly important social media has become to the community isn't it mm, i agree no absolutely and um to be honest i mean just listening to i'm not, not bigging you guys up but the podcast has mm. been really good from just the point of view of, uh, of listening to those familiar voices that we're not meeting up at the, with at the weekends yeah. but also learning a lot you know um I was listening to to, the, to Gary's episode the other day, and I was listening yeah. to Muggles today, actually, and um, you know, really knowledgeable guys, and it's just mm-hmm. fascinating because for me, I mean, we neither of us really collect British kit, mm-hmm. um, and I don't have a vast knowledge, um, but you know, I, I've learned lots, mm-hmm. and it's it's just been a nice a nice link to the the hobby that we all love, uh, despite yes. being sort of housebound <laughs> this yeah. year. Yeah. I think with um, with the the lockdown and of course the communication and this, this obviously podcast, we've now started the YouTube videos mm. that people can watch. But maybe in the pipeline, it could be a reenactors ramble Zoom, where we mm. literally choose you know so many characters from the hobby and we all just basically have a a goal session for an hour. But I'll stay off the red wine, okay? You could be very selective, or you could do it sort of Russian roulette style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be a bit like chat roulette. Does anyone remember chat roulette? Yeah, a few years yeah. Ago? That was <laughs> that was that was a bit crazy. That could be brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Or scary, yeah, yeah. 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 God, it wouldn't be safe for children, I don't think. It wouldn't be an over eighteens <laughs> thing that would definitely but but no, definitely. I mean, I think you're right. It's uh, what we found is that every, every day is a school day in this hobby, right? Mm-hmm. And that no matter how long you've been in it or what you've been doing or what you think you know, there is always somebody out there that knows a little bit more about something than than you do. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's what that's what we love about it. And and uh, and obviously just trying to echo that in our guests, trying to bring people on who could teach us something and and the wider audience out there as well. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah this will be another one of those epi- episodes as well. So no pressure, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we have been spending a lot of our weekends with local history, which has been, that's been pretty interesting. Right, yeah. mm-hmm. So we've done quite a lot of um, stuff in the, in the Plymouth area, mm-hmm. um, obviously related to the, the US Army as well. And finding just the memorials, you didn't know what the, that were there, mm-hmm. um, finding out the stories. It was been yeah. quite fascinating to to be able to do that, which you wouldn't yeah. normally do. We had the 29th yeah. uh, Infantry Division just up the road from us. Um, oh. They were all camped out um, on the grass there. Yeah. And uh, we went for a walk in the woods and found this swimming pool that they used to use for training. Yeah. And um, it's, it was around before the war, but they, they did quite a lot of work to, to do it up before it was handed back to the locals. And um, it's wow. li- literally just a couple of miles down the road, and I'd never been there before, mm-hmm. never seen it. So awesome. it's, it's amazing what's on your doorstep. And, of course, Plymouth, it's... Um, Still bears lots of scars from wartime as well. There's a lot of yeah. history in, yeah, in Plymouth. Of course, so. yeah. yeah, it's like that yeah, in Liverpool a... as well. Mm, you know, we've yeah. all been yeah, hit yeah. with the Blitz and whatnots. Yeah, but I know Plymouth rather well, so it'd be interesting to you know come down that way and see these things. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. a lot of activity around your way. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that's been one of the benefits of um, not that there's been many benefits of the whole lockdown thing, but only really being able to sort of go for a little walk and I guess fairly nearby to you you're constantly finding small reminders I mean I took my dog down the river near to me the other day and found um a, a path that I walked on every day and it was it was where they used to create uh, explosives um for, for for bomber command and you have no idea right you're just walking down the street mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you spot a sign and you might take a, a slightly longer route than you would do traditionally because you've got more time in your hands and it's amazing how how much this country is, uh, how much how much history is in this country. Not necessarily, um, 
I guess airfields and things like that, but more mm. intricate details, things like that, factories or you know testing areas, exercise zones. There's there's, there's absolutely loads around there as well. Absolutely, yeah. We we have uh, Slapton Sands not too far away. It's about mm. forty five minutes from us, and you know as you know, it's um, where Operation Tiger happened. Um, and this time of year, there's still stuff gets washed up on shore. You know, really? um, mm. yeah. It's the wow. you look out to the bay, and there's like a big trough that was dug, and they actually removed. Um, the gravel and everything, and they use that to build the dockyard um, uh-huh. years and years ago. And because of that, it creates a really strange tidal. Um, uh, what do you call it? The, the, the way the tide moves, anyway, and it, it kind of churns yeah. things up a bit like a washing machine. And every now and again, uh-huh. it will throw stuff out onto the onto the beach. You might ordnance, you might get, you know, helmet or whatever. Mm. It's uh, yeah, it's interesting. Wow. And of course, there's yeah, still there's a, still DD tanks down there as well. It's absolutely crazy, isn't it? I think some um, uh, some hedgehogs appeared on on Blythe Beach not too far from me up here again a couple of weeks ago, and they come out every few years. The tide really goes out in in, in certain sort of lunar lunar patterns. So yeah, mm. it's, it's absolutely absolutely fascinating. But um, dive in, uh, let's dive back in a little bit of time again, but not quite as far as as, as nineteen forty. Uh, we're going to dive back in, into when you guys both got got into reenacting. So this is something that we ask everybody because everyone has their own story. Um, everyone has their own ways of getting into it. And I think it just inspires new people into the hobby that how, you know, you, you don't necessarily um, sort of decide to get into the hobby. Sometimes you sort of almost trip and stumble into it. So how did you guys find the world of living history? Um, gosh, it's been, it's about 15 years ago now. Um, I've always been really interested in history at school. Um, and I stumbled across, I'm going to say it. I stumbled across a, um, an event in Bodmin, which is a railway event. Hmm. Um, I and I, I turned up and absolutely I went for the dance in the evening, absolutely loved mm-hmm. it, met lots of people, um, and then went on the train and that was it. <laughs> and then started doing more living history and not railway events, but I absolutely loved it. Um, started um, looking into the, the British roles uh, at the beginning. Um, and then it kind of adapted from there. Um, moved from the like the Cornwall Devon area, and then further up the country to to bigger shows. And were you together at the time? No, no, no. So, okay. So, how did this happen then? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, if I go back, um, like lots of people you've had on before, you know, it's it, it goes right back to childhood for me. Not reenacting, yeah. but my sort of interest in in the forties and in World War Two. You know, when other kids were going home watching uh, children's BBC, I was watching The Great Escape, I was watching The Battle of Britain, um, wearing those VHS cassettes out, you know. So, um, and also, um, because I'm from Bedfordshire originally, we we had um, places like Duxford, we weren't too far away, um, Shotworth Collection at Old Warden, is, uh, and aviation was my thing. I was, I loved aircraft. My uh, my dad used to build large-scale flying aircraft, uh, radio control aircraft. So we, we spent a lot of time on various airfields and bases doing that as when I was when I was a young lad. So um, yeah, uh, I was always I was very very keen on aviation. And uh, one of my memories that my mother always reminds me of is is her handing a camera to me to chase Sally B the length of Duxford to get the best photo I could get at the end of the day. Um, only to find that uh, when we got home a few days later and took the film out of the camera, there was no film in the camera. <laughs> but I, I took the best photo of Sally B. <laughs> that, that day. I think, I don't know, I think I was seven or seven years old or so at the time. But um, so <laughs> my, uh, yeah, my, my, I've got lots of happy memories from uh, linked to World War Two from my childhood, mm-hmm. but um, sort of in later years, I started to go to um, like War and Peace just as just as a punter, you know, just have a look around because mm-hmm. it just interested me at the time. And uh, that the more you see that kind of thing and p- people doing what they do, and you just think, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's really cool. You know, like I, I want that. a bit of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, it wasn't really. Uh, I had some friends over in uh, Jersey, you know, Ricky, uh, you know, one of yeah, them. Yeah. And uh, it was actually those guys over there that got me into reenacting. They they bought oh. me, um, like, gave me a uniform. Um, and I, you know, started buying, you know, webbing and bits and bobs to to uh, make an impression. And um, mm-hmm. it sort of escalated from there, really. So mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily the thing I, I wanted to do. It wasn't linked to the Air Force. It was, uh, 
obviously linked more to Band of Brothers at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Gosh. laughs> so lots of can relate to. Um, yeah, always. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, after, after a while, uh, tagging along with other people to events and things, we started doing more um, on our own um, and then eventually kind of got a group of like-minded friends together and we've been doing it ever since. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? It's, it's quite interesting. You know, mention getting your first uniform gifted. It's something Andy and I touched upon, uh, on, on, our, on the previous episode, just about sort of some of the, the, the kindness in the yeah. hobby about, you know, when, when new people start the hobby, I don't think you appreciate at that point, the, the value sometimes and the time that's maybe gone into researching that uniform and purchasing it and sewing things on or whatever it might be um and to just be gifted something at the time it's, it's quite a, a big thing i think for mm-hmm. for, for people to, to do that i think i think later life you understand that uh, and appreciate it a little bit more absolutely and um you know if i'm sure you've met some of the guys from jersey before that that mm-hmm. you couldn't meet more generous yeah. people it's just in their yeah. nature you know they're, they're lovely lovely people and um and it's kind of it's true with lots of lots of reenactors you know it, it's very rare that we ever have a bad experience hanging out with reenactors at the weekend, you know, they're yeah, really yeah. welcoming people. And, uh, that, that's what we're probably missing most really about, about our weekends at the moment. Cause mm-hmm. we're kind yeah. of stuck with each other and not hanging out with them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a friendship, yeah, you know, it is the friendship. <clears throat> and we've, um, normally 44, the group we belong to, we've, we have missed each other. We, we've met up on zoom on an occasion, but it's actually mm. that physical contact, you know, of just kind of being mm. with each other around a fire or in a bar. Yeah, and I think yeah. when it does happen, it's going to be Animalville. It's just going to be crazy stuff. <laughs> it's going to be a bit mad. Like, I think everybody and the first events or one of the first events that people start to go to, I think it's going to be a bit wild. I yeah. agree. But do you know, yeah. do you know I think, though, Andy, that, that yeah. you know, I think it's actually been a really great opportunity for the wider community to to get to know each other and come together in ways that you might not usually. I mean, yeah. I don't know how many times, I mean, I've been to Duxford and, and saw, you know, Stu and Al on the flight line and never said a word. And I've, you know, and, and there's lots of other people um, in the hobby that I've spoke to over Instagram or whatever it might be and seen them at events and again, not really ever spoken to them. And I think this, this yeah. whole sort of 12 month period or so has, it's probably made not made people but i think people have been encouraged to sort of speak a little bit more and i think i actually think that for, for the better i think it'll, it'll make the hobby in the next sort of um you know the next season or two ahead i think people will be a little bit more collaborative and not as competitive because you, you do as much as everyone is very nice in the hobby you still have this weird element of competitiveness sometimes i think especially maybe not um i think in in the more aviation focused world of living history but probably more specifically in some of the infantry regiments in the British and the US, I think you find a little bit more of that, um, you know, who's got the biggest proverbial reenacting cock, so to speak. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we don't get too much of that, but going back to you guys, I mean, what's, what's amazing that, you know, we've been simply missing the hobby, missing each other. You've got each other, I guess that, you know, you both love the hobby, both invest in it. So that must be amazing to an extent to, to share that with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. Yeah, definitely. Especially when we're we're sat down in the evenings, like we watch similar things, we watch nice films. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, being with someone who obviously wasn't into the hobby, it'd be quite, Mm. yeah, I think that'd be quite hard. And it's also not having to explain your purchases because (laughs) I can can buy something and it'll come through the post (laughs) and and Elle will say, oh, wow, that's so cool. That's really, you know, rather than, you know, why have you bought this? Why haven't you? Mm. Oh, man. Queue about uh, ten thousand men around the world and, and women cursing right now, wishing they had the same. So I don't know how many men out there have had to sort of hide the PayPal transactions or whatnot and say, you know, God knows if, if somebody's partner ever sold their collection for what they told them it was worth, they'd be absolutely knackered, wouldn't they? Yeah, oh, no. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I did think um, a few years ago of cataloging everything, but when you you stand oh, back and look at it and you just think, don't I couldn't do it. even. Yeah. Do you know what? I, I actually I did that probably about six months ago when I was up in the lockdown. Probably more like an investment viewpoint to see how much everything was worth. But I sort of looked at it and I started looking at things I'd spent on the Jeep and things like that. And you yeah. look at it and you think, oh, my word, like I could have paid off a, a large chunk of a mortgage. You know? yeah. And instead, I've got a load of stuff in plastic boxes in the garage. You know? <laughs> it's a yes, it's a strange old thing. So it, it's nice to see everything that you've got, you know, because you forget mm. how much stuff you've got. But yeah um you certainly see what proportion of your disposable income has gone into it that's for sure yeah my wife uh 
I have the problem where I have to explain why I've got two of something. So the last purchase <laughs> was, what's that you're buying? A class A Y? You've got one? Mm, it's kind you're of not hiding not it well point. enough. <laughs> it's not the point. It's, you know, mm, I might have put a bit of weight on, you know. It's not the real reason. It's just because I just wanted another one. <laughs> But Richie's yeah. worse for that. He's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> you leave me be. You leave me be. But so anyway, you guys mentioned that um, mm. you know you're, you're down on the south coast there, and we've often talked geographically yeah. about the the reenacting scene in the UK. We've got, I, I think it's it's fair to say, apart from War and Peace, which is obviously down in Kent, mm. the rest of the large, you know, more commercial, commercially based events are, are primarily sort of, I guess, in the Midlands. Um, you know. Uh, Staffordshire areas like that in, in reality Lincolnshire some of them are over there as well which is I guess from Plymouth is a is a, is a long old way as well and um, you know just the trade that you guys are in you generally I take it can't get away from work until sort of Friday evenings really yeah it's uh, it's a it's a headache to say the least um, mm-hmm. it used to be more so because um, luckily with Covid we can't go anywhere <laughs> no sorry seriously um no it used to be more of a headache because uh I, we just used to have a like an Audi estate and mm-hmm. um friends who know us will tell you stories of that car and how <laughs> it was literally you'd be taking bottles of beer out of the box to put them in you know it's every little hole that you could possibly find yeah. um and uh, we carried stuff on the roof and uh, it was a nightmare so eventually bit the bullet bought a van which has been so much easier for us um but yeah we uh the routine normally um would be to start packing either the weekend before if we've got a free weekend or sort of wednesday-ish we'd start packing the van um getting stuff out of loft out of the spare is that because you have to or just because you're really excited for the event no literally because you have <laughs> yeah. to um really because um, like you say we finish work on a friday being mm-hmm. in the teaching profession we can't just take a day off um mm-hmm. which is always a big annoyance um same the same way we, we yeah mm-hmm. um, i mean we can never go to normandy for the celebrations no. because they all pretty much always uh, take place in work time but this year would have been sorry last year would have been the first time for I don't know how long, 10 years, when the, the celebration would have been on the Saturday mm-hmm. or the Sunday. So yeah. we mm-hmm. technically could have gone over, but mm-hmm. we couldn't, obviously. Um, oh, so, yeah, we, we start start loading on a Wednesday, Thursday night, you know, getting the food in there. And um, we get home from work. Um, literally, I'm probably overtaking the children as they're leaving yeah. school. I'm dri- <laughs> driving out <laughs> the driveway. Beating them up the way as you're running down the halls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, get home, you know, quick change, get in, get in the van and set off. So somewhere like, I'd say the Victory Show is mm-hmm. probably one of the closest events for us, and that's about three hours and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, whereas uh, Duxford, for example, is four and a half hours. Um, we do quite a bit of, um, quite a few events up in sort of Norfolk, Suffolk, because obviously that's where mm-hmm. the um, Air Force, yeah, 8th yeah. Air Force were based mainly. Um, so if we go up to like Horham, the Red Feather Club up there, the 95th Bomb Group Museum, that's five and a half hours um, on a clear. That's, that's on a clear run. Stopping, yeah. yeah, that's not stopping yeah. and on a, on clear roads. So we've um, I've got we've got caught before coming back from events where we've got stuck in traffic and that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's you know we've got back at two three in the morning yeah. and, and then work the next back day. up at six for work. Yeah. So yeah, God, it, it can be a commitment. Yeah, <laughs> a huge, a huge yeah. commitment. Um, absolutely huge, and it, it begs the question: Why? <laughs> you know, what, 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 what is it about that weekend that is worth that horrible feeling of getting up on that Monday morning, <laughs> absolutely shattered? You've got shite strewn all over the car. It's all over the house because you've not had a chance to put it away. So, so, so why, why do we, why do we, and why do you guys put yourselves through it? It's a really good question. I think. Um, if you were to sort of analyze it too much, you probably maybe choose a different hobby. I mean, mean, it's just that feeling, you know, you turn up when you arrive at that event, it's just that Mm -hmm. feeling that, you know, now we can relax, you know, Mm -hmm. you're surrounded by green, you're in the, you know, you've got grass under your feet, you get, you get, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, there's just nothing quite like it. And obviously seeing your friends and, um, Mm-hmm. and the excitement of uh you know getting to the stalls and all of that sort of thing and the beer, yeah. and the beer tent obviously um, and of course, but no it's, gonna, it, it's just nothing like it really i was gonna say and of course on monday morning when you sat in that 
staff room <laughs> or in that room and you're looking at everyone and you're thinking you know what I did that weekend but you don't want to say anything you no. know kind of like, <laughs> no one knows what you've just done you know and what you've seen and enjoyed it's just an amazing feeling yeah exactly yeah there's you don't really hear too many other stories around the workplace that you can relate mm-hmm. to in that same way do you um you know, pe- no. people don't tend to they might say oh yeah we you know went shopping on saturday and we went out for a meal on saturday night and we're thinking yeah you know well i was just kind of playing with a yeah, mustang I was barbecuing by the side of the b17 <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, crazy yeah. It, it's funny what you mentioned there about that that feeling of getting to an event um Andy, Andy, I always talk about it, don't I? That feeling of sort yeah. of arriving at the event and, you know, almost the adrenaline pumping. And mm-hmm. you sort of reminded me there of, of I think, when I realised how much I loved the hobby. I'd had about four or five years out of the hobby whilst I went to university and, you know, being a student and at university doesn't really mix. And I came back in about 2014, I think it was, or 15, and it was the victory show, actually, as mm-hmm. you mentioned there. And um, I remember I was with my, my brother at the time. It was his first ever reenactment event. And we were driving down that road, uh, which is sort of that little narrow country lane as you're approaching the entrance. And there was a little <laughs> bit of traffic waiting to get into the event. And my brother had never been to reenact an event ever before. And he, like yourself, uh, Stu, was a massive aviation fan from a child, you know, with airfix models hanging from the ceiling. And long story short, we, we sort of stood there and parked up and the windows are down because it's warm, September the 5th or whatever it is. And all you hear was, you know, two Merlins overhead. Uh, and it's just two Spitfires just, just you know, having a bit of crack flying about because they're going to land on the airfield for the weekend. Mm. And, you know, at that point, you've had four or five years out the hobby and you get out the car and you think, shit, this is why I love it. This is why I'm here. <laughs> and, you know, that for me was just like, I'm back, baby. You know, <laughs> it just yeah. reminded you of how much you love the hobby. And I think, as you mentioned there, just getting to that event, it just makes it all worthwhile. Yeah, no, I absolutely can completely relate to that. Yeah. Um, Victory Show is um, one of those events. It's there's something quite special about it. It's you know it's pure pure World War Two event. Um, we we've been quite lucky over the years in that we because of um, what we're portraying, we tend to be quite close to the aircraft. So we're mm-hmm. um, the last time we went, we were tucked up in that um, that top corner just by the mm-hmm. one of the entrances actually, um, where the uh, C forty seven was was stood. And um, another thing, if you, you know, if you've ever camped at the Vichy show and you've got up early in the morning, you'll know you get some of the best sunrises there oh, and there's nothing yeah, just quite, yeah, absolutely. So you crack the tent flap open literally because it's pretty cold. Um, you stand there, you're freezing cold, but you've got that beautiful sun rising, you know, behind the aircraft and it's just mm-hmm. stunning. And you just think this is yeah. absolutely amazing. And sad, it's heaven, sadly, it? it's that, that, that image that the public don't see because it's at that time, sort of five thirty, six o'clock in the morning but it's just spectacular um yeah. i'm getting shivers thinking about that image that that <laughs> you've got of that c-47 at that event you know i remember I, re- I recall looking at it um and it's giving me shivers thinking about those <laughs> moments just oh man yeah miss it so much yeah and there's something quite the special the <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's move right on, yeah. move on uh, private cars off the uh <laughs> off the strip <laughs> Yeah. Oh God. But oh, it's God. similar, um, similar experience at Duxford in a way, because um, you know, mm. again, we've been quite lucky to to be able to camp on site there, um, and getting up early, which you have to uh, before the public are in. You don't realise how big the site is when it's not Huge. teeming with yeah. people. It's it's a big site, and um, but you get that kind of eerie quietness to the either mm. first thing in the morning or last thing at night, and just walking mm. around there where you know that that's uh, been an active airfield since world war one you know it's it's uh, there's a lot of history there and it's quite sends a little shiver up your spine yeah it does yeah yeah, yeah. i think um, that's probably a, a good place to sort of carry on our conversation i guess is is the duxford air shows there as an event um it's a very different event to the standard living history event in that it's i'm gonna say there's almost an, a sort of an invite only list of, of reenactors you know and you've got to have some sort of I guess special benefit to an extent to be there. Um, yep. Some of the groups there that are there are mostly very, very good. I think um, and represent something relevant to the show. You know, you, you're not just invited there because you've got a 101st Airborne impression. You know, it's got to be linked to <laughs> say that with a pinch of salt. Um, <laughs> it, it's got to be linked there. So obviously, you guys um, primarily uh, display as a, as a US Army Air Force unit. Is that correct? Yeah. Um... Yeah, there's different events at Duxford. So, well, up until yeah. up until recently, obviously, Flying Legends has moved to Sywell. Oh, yeah. mm. um, 
which is interesting in itself actually but yeah so it's, it was always the case that Doctor would, would have its own air shows one in May and one later in the year in September and they, they would run that show um, whereas Flying Legends was put on by the fighter collection so that's it's a different way in um, mm-hmm. and you're right in that you know we completely lucked into that we were invited along by some some good friends of ours and um, you know they said I think we, we went for the day um, the first uh, well first time we went together yeah. we went for the day and um, I think I can't even remember if we were wearing anything particularly 40s looking mm-hmm. but they were, you know, people saying, "Why are why are you that side of the fence? Why aren't you over here next year? You need to be over here." And it was yeah. literally like that. And um, we got approached again, just saying, "Would would you be up for it?" And we said, "Oh, yeah, of course, you know." <laughs> and um, and it, we've been luckily, we've been ever since. Yeah. Um, but okay. the other the other events are a bit different there because um, it, it's not necessarily the easiest. Um, venue to get booked into as a as a group or as even as mm-hmm. a, an individual but um uh, there's a fair amount of sort of chasing up and communication to be done yeah, and yeah. it can be a little bit last minute at times just the way it operates but um, we've been lucky to to display there um for the other two shows as well mm-hmm. and um yeah i've always had a, a great time we've either done that as a group on our own or we've joined mm-hmm. other people um yeah. who have it- displayed there for longer Definitely. And for, for an aviation nut like yourself and, you know, myself there, I think I, I generally attend there with Ops 3945, um, a little bit further along from where you guys um, uh, generally display. And yeah, if, if you are interested in aviation, being, as you put it, on that side of the flight line, you know, on that side of the fence where you can be up close and personal with, you know, on occasions over a dozen Spitfires, there's Hurricanes, Flying Legends, obviously you've got, you've got Mustangs, you've got Sally B, you've got Blenheims, um, everything really mm-hmm. in reality there, you know, barring a Lancaster, which mainly uh, did fly over once, didn't it, when the two Lancs flew yeah, over that yeah, year? Yeah. Um, but I guess as far as aviation goes... Corsairs, um, you know, was there a P forty there one year? I think maybe Flying Legends, but yeah, yeah, it's for an aviation nut. I mean, even just for a spectator, it, it's incredible. But I guess next questions: putting on that flying kit and getting your pictures taken in and around <laughs> those aircraft. There's nothing quite like it in the hobby, is there? There's not really. I mean, again, you, with Flying Legends, that's pretty much your your role that weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you kind of work on the flight line for, in the morning, yeah. and then the afternoon yeah. you, you just enjoy the show generally. And there are guys that, that display there, um, but our our job there is to look after the aircraft um, and to stop people with cameras getting too close. Basically, it's very much mm-hmm. it's very British. You know, keep off the grass. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. when, when there's a little white line painted there, right? Isn't it? Yeah, Which is it, primarily yeah. for the aircraft, but it's like stay off the grass. The signs are there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's hilarious. Oh, like we we, are... we we joke every year. Just that, you know, there are, there are camera guys there with a lens that's sort of four foot long. And yet they, they still have to get one foot yeah. closer to the aircraft where actually yeah, they could yeah, have yeah. stayed in their car and got that shot, you know, <laughs> a mile away. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so it, yeah, it's, it's pretty special though. And, and again, um, there's no kind of um, rule to say that you should dress as authentically as you can. Mm-hmm. It's very much the, the individual that I think decides to do that. And luckily that on the whole, the guys that they all do, that, yeah. that they all do um, because I think it's out of respect as well but um also you do get a a lot of um feedback from the photographers Mm -hmm. um you know it's very rare that you get asked to stand to one side so they can get a photo of just the aircraft they they do love to see somebody in front of that that aircraft just to give it a little bit of perspective yeah because from a photographer's perspective having you know at least one but sometimes even six seven guys in absolutely as you you know as, as you well put it some really accurate equipment there um everything's bang on it's mm. very rare to get that really especially when people are sort of roughly age appropriate as well um stood by those aircraft with a clean background that you get at Duxford mm. as well you get that nice clean sort of um runway background sometimes aircraft coming into land so i mean on a personal i've got some fantastic images that i got my brother to sort of take with me and vice versa there as well that like you just you just don't get that sort of propage do you you know mm. as it as personally as a photographer going there it's an absolute dream i think it's one of the reasons that i generally go there because you can go to events like the victory or show or whatnot and you find yourself wandering off into the woods to take pictures because there's nowhere else but there mm. you've got you know 
300 million pounds worth of props available <laughs> to you to use for the day for imagery no. absolutely it is crazy yeah. and it's it's a real um it's just an honor to be to to be standing next to some of those machines as well you know you, mm-hmm. you get up close to that blenheim for example and it's just mm. a thing of beauty you know it's oh, it's, God, it's yeah. the workmanship is absolutely stunning and mm-hmm. uh, even you know f- as a photographer there you, you don't get close enough really to see that but mm-hmm. when you you know we do and it's it's a privilege it really is yeah it's, it's almost like you, you sort of touch it or lean it because you saw you know the, i guess the other thing is that they're not really precious are you you know i mean as a um as a reenactor there and had my picture taken they're not bothered if you lean on on the aircraft or mm-hmm. so you know they're not too too fussed about it whereas you know if you're a punter you, you're not getting within sort of 40 feet of the aircraft really so it's 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 a total privilege just to be able to sort of touch it and think oh wow. <laughs> touch it go blend amazing. him or yeah yeah whatever it might we, be we, we did a um a photography day at um at Duxford with the yeah. with the P forty with a Thunderbolt, and uh, <laughs> they they will they will the aircraft out onto the grass and um, mm-hmm. wow. and Richard Grace uh, opened it up and said yeah you know you can if you get up on the wheel here one hand on the on the gun barrel just you know slide yourself up onto the wing and then you can get up and you know walk across just you know stay on the on the leading edge don't don't worry so don't fall off you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all sounds fine until you try doing that in forty pattern boots with uh, with no grip and uh, like big slippers really aren't they? It, it was the most dangerous thing I think I've done <laughs> in acting. Yeah. And uh, with every footstep, you're aware that you're actually scraping the wing. And he was like, "Oh, don't worry about that. It's it's meant to be used, you know." And this thing's you know Mental. stunning. Yeah. And uh, I was terrified the whole time, but it was amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, when, when are you going to ever get the chance to do that? Brilliant. Yeah, Stuart. Yeah. So, I've not done any of these events, these aviation events, apart from Victorian stuff. But when you go, what is your um, primary impression? Then it's the US Army Air Force. But what are we doing? Um, it does depend on the aircraft that are there. Uh, for uh, flying legends, it's it's mainly fighter based, although. Okay. You've obviously got Sally B there as well, so it just it does depend, and you don't necessarily know where you're going to be because it's very much a case of can you stand here or there's a big gap down that end of the flight line. Would you mind going down there? So you know that there's been times where we've been dressed in um, Army Air Force kit, we've got you know heated flying suit and everything else on, okay. and they've said, can you just go and stand next to that? Um, tiger moth or something you know and you think well no and, it, and the thing is it's it's from their point of view that's your role is to protect those aircraft yeah. and and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to look authentic oh, next to that yeah. aircraft but um the last couple of years the the sally b's been parked right down the end and um i've had bomber kit with me so i've just i've just put that on and you know blended right in so <laughs> but yeah you can't always guarantee it sometimes you can sometimes you can't yeah so uh, else, what would you, you got anything to add? Yeah, else, um, yeah. <laughs> what's else rolling all she's this? She's still here. <laughs> um, normally, I do um, uh, WAC, which is the uh, Women's Army Corps. So um, they they had they portrayed different roles, but they they were um, closely linked to the Eighth Air Force. Hmm. So that's generally uh, what I would portray there. Um, and again, you know, we're there to for almost like security of of the um, of the aircraft. So wherever we're put, mm. it's fine. It's just yeah, it's just we're with our Duxford family, the the people that do mm. it, and we, you know, we we all get on really well, and we'll have a lovely mm. time. And yeah. yeah, and mainly what it's about, and watch the air show afterwards, which is brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, just being able to sort of have a beer as a sunsetting on on that Duxford airfield mm. is just, I mean. We um we generally go to the pub um in uh, a nineteen forties Austin ambulance afterwards and stumble back in the ambulance. Of course, there is a nominated driver in the ambulance. And I remember last year we got out of the um uh, the ambulance, sort of stumbling across the tarmac, very respectfully, of course. But um, you know, all in kit, singing sort of Jerusalem. Um, you know, I, w- I won't sing it for the <laughs> for anyone that doesn't know it. Just you can Google that and YouTube it or something. But yeah, just almost thinking, well, that's what it would have been like back then. You know, those guys mm-hmm. coming back from the pub, singing those songs. Um, and yeah, being there on an evening is is a, is a special special thing, isn't it? When it's just yeah. sort of quite empty, but eerie as well. Absolutely, 
Yeah, yeah. We've had a few a few different occasions like that on, on different airfields. Um, I know he talks a lot about East Kirby before, but, um, mm. you know, speak, speak to Gary, he'll tell you some strange stories about that place. You know, some strange... Oh. Uh, interesting encounters and things like that, and uh, yeah, you know, we've we've walked around the like the Perry Track around uh, the hundredth bomb group there at the Thorpe Abbots, and um, you know that they they lost their losses were huge in that bomb group, and uh, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of the airfield left, but the museum's amazing. The tower's still mm-hmm. there, and the Perry Track you can still walk walk down, and mm-hmm. uh, you know if you walk down there when the uh, dusk, um, you do get like a, a there's a real sense that something happened there which mm-hmm. is you know I, I don't i'm not particularly yeah. spiritual in that way but there's just something um quite special about it um it's a bit it's hard to put your finger on yeah um, absolutely i mean like you mentioned we, we discussed a little bit of that on a, on a live video a couple of weeks ago so a few people probably missed that but yeah when you do visit these airfields um yeah we had a couple of encounters where we just heard things that we couldn't explain or yeah. Yeah, just oh, people have saw things, you know. I think it was Gary that mentioned he, he saw somebody in sort of full kit, you know, at, late at night. That's and, right, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, I'm getting jibbers now. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's scary as shit. So. Yeah, <laughs> I think he oh, thought God, it was it one really of his, is. I think he thought it was one of his mates um, who yeah, left early yeah. from the pub, but then it turned out that he was still in the pub and it wasn't him oh, at all. Man. And uh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> scary, 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 scary. And just going back to Kit as well, um, Elsa, you've got a, you've got a WAF impression as well, right? Is that correct? Um, yes. Um, it, I'm really not only am I fascinated with the the whack, but I'm really fascinated with the the WAF and mm-hmm. and blooms. Barrage blooms. <laughs> yeah. So I've I've got the uh, the um, early war smock for that, mm-hmm. which um, amazing. I absolutely love boots. Yeah, I've got my um Welling well, they're not Wellingtons. I've got my um uh, boot black Wellington boots now, yes. which are dated inside. So I was, I was, to be honest, I'm quite easily pleased because when I bought <laughs> them, I was so excited to have these these wellies, and and like my mum was like, "What on earth are those?" And I was like, "Look, they're dated." They're dated, yeah. yeah. And ministry stamps and stamped yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but but oh, saying gold. about buying different things, I was I was so excited for Valentine's Day because um. <laughs> Stuart, um, he bought me um, a pair of long johns, which are um, they're whack. Um, How romantic! I know. I was, oh, I. But <laughs> the, the thing was, like, people were like, what on earth? They got holes in, but I'll just absolutely it, they're original, it. right? Yeah, original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, and has that not uh, influenced you yourself yet? And Stu, you not got a, a nice RF tunic yet? Um, well, I haven't, um, and I think it's mainly due to the fact that. You know, there's only so much money you've got at any one point. To, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I would I would rush out and and buy RAF kit if I if I had the means. My um, great uncle was a mid upper gunner on Lancasters, and uh, oh, wow. so one of the last times I think we went to East Kirkby, um, spoke to, to Gary, um, and uh, he he basically said, "Yeah, you know, come to the night the night taxi, which is an amazing event." Um, yeah. And uh, he said, you know, you can portray your great uncle. That would be if you'd like mm-hmm. to do that. So uh, he lent me some kit. I think uh, Ramsey lent me some kit as well. And uh, yeah, I stood there and I was took part in that crew lineup. And um, again, talk about hair standing on the back of your yeah. neck. You know, oh, that, that was amazing because he he was actually shot down. Um, he had all of his te- wow. teeth shot out. He had his legs shot up. Christ. And uh, he was very, very humble, quiet gentleman. Uh, didn't really talk about his experiences particularly but mm. we you know as a family we were always very proud of him wow. and um and my nan was also in the WAF so she actually was a barrage balloon um operator that was her role wow. um Quite so history. yeah yeah I think that's that's kind of played a part in my his my my love of the, the period as well mm. from a young age there was always stories and um my uh it was always jokes my middle middle name's douglas and my dad mm. uh his heroes that was beta so i think there's yeah, there's, yeah. there's always been a link <laughs> yeah yeah definitely i, t- I tell you what's probably next on, on your agenda not to, to spend your money before you've got it again i'm spending it all on raf kit and other stuff here but um <laughs> you must you must 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 try and get to east kirkby and um you'll have to put your name on the way on this because it is i think it's about two years long now mm. But to take the taxi ride in uh, in Just Jane, um, for any, I guess, of our uh, overseas listeners, Just Jane is a, a running Lancaster, which doesn't fly just yet, but it does run on the ground and do taxi runs for the public. Um, 
I, I think we booked it in 2015, I think went in 2016. Um, and you were randomly assigned a position in the Lancaster. Um, and generally speaking, if you had a family member that served in Lancaster, you get to pick that position that they were in. Um, we were assigned the mid-upper mid upper turret um, there, which was obviously where um, where your family member would have uh, would have been positioned as well. Um, we took our grandfather and he sat in the back door. Um, and talk about her standing on end. I've still got the video. I'll have to put it on um, on the Instagram. But seeing it from outside is one thing, but being inside, you know, and especially, I guess, where your family member mm. sat or stood, you know, um, put that on your bucket list because I, I think it's not cheap. It's about £300, but it's, you know, I think you're only in there for about 15, 20 minutes while it's running, but it is worth every single penny. Yeah, it was one of those things. I was I was kind of due to do it or at least due to book it um, a few years ago. And for one reason or another, it just didn't happen, which was a shame. Mm. And uh, I think the closer they get to getting it airworthy, the, the less opportunities there will be in the future to do that. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, out of uh, I'd, I'd love to see it in the air. So if I if I didn't get the opportunity because of that, I wouldn't be too sad. But um, mm. but you're right, it's one of those things and and uh just seeing that thing at firing up at night as mm-hmm. well and taxiing off into the darkness yeah. is just stunning and mm-hmm. um you can literally just see the flashes out of the exhaust mm-hmm. pipes and yeah. and that amazing noise of four merlins you know it's just it's it's eerie and mm-hmm. beautiful isn't it it's, it is yeah. yeah amazing yeah yeah it's absolutely incredible and um and just going back to i guess more individual bits of kit for a moment as well so you, you've both obviously got quite the the vast collection if you had to pick out two or three you know either unique interesting or just perhaps your most favorite um items in your collection what might they be and why oh you go first um i think mine would be um i was so excited when i got this um my uh whack handbag <laughs> so um the handbag it's uh it's half moon shape um leather um and inside it it's green <clears throat> but it also has the the wallet with it as well mm-hmm. um oh, and fantastic. and when we bought it which is rare to, oh yeah, yeah sorry yeah, the, the, yeah, the yeah, wallet's rare, rare sorry um and i also got given some packaging so the, the original packaging that would have been on top i had given to me so um i got that laminated but i absolutely love that handbag um uh-huh. And interestingly, it's going full circle. That belonged to Gary's Gary Bainbridge's mother. Yeah, <laughs> it's part, <laughs> part of her collection. Yeah. yeah so. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Th- th- there's that. Um, my um, my grand sister. She was part of the Timber Corps, the Women's Land Army. Yeah. Timber Corps. So um, I also have the um, Bakelite badge, um, which is I found found very fascinating, especially coming from Cornwall. Because a lot of the the girls down here would have been in in the, the women's land army. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I find that, and my other thing, which is bizarre to some people, would be my whack exercise dress. So it's a seersucker dress, and it's it's almost white and uh, it's not red. It's like a brownie red, uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. and this this was worn. It's got buttons down the front, and and it's done up with a little tie. But it was worn around the barracks it was, it was worn around um i say we're doing any like um, cleaning duties or exercising mm-hmm. obviously um but i absolutely love that that dress which yeah i think if anyone's seen it, it it's nothing it's spectacular but it uh-huh. you know it's one of those items i've been looking for for a long time and, yeah yeah and, it, it, and i'm it, so it's excited often... to find it and it's, it's not often, is it, that it's it's the most sort of spectacular Hollywood items that are your favourite in your collection. You know, it's often something a little bit more modest, um, mm. you know, for, for, for different reasons as well. So I think it's always interesting to sort of, um, I guess, explore explore people's there. So Stu, how about yourself? It's, I've been racking my brains. It's so hard. Um, <laughs> Got too much kit, too much to choose from. Yeah, yeah, it could well be that, actually. Um, I mm. think... A bit like Al said, actually, I think it's those things that you've been looking for for a long time. So mm-hmm. I, I remember um, for probably two and a half, three years, I was looking for a, a Bancroft flighter, a crusher cap, and uh, I could not find one, especially in my size. And I, uh, I just, everyone I saw, I tried, it was too small or it was mothy. Yeah. And, and when I eventually found one, um, for not, well, 
not too bad price. Um, I was so delighted to actually own one, and it because they, <laughs> you can't, you can't get a reproduction of those. They just, you know, it's, yeah. it's got to be original. Um, and mm-hmm. so I was really pleased with that. And uh, the same, re- fairly recently, I got um, an uh, an addition to my heated flying clothing uh, <laughs> collection, which was the the F two boot, which is like a black yeah, uh, yeah, felt yeah. boot, yeah. Again, they're pretty rare uh, to find. So, um, luckily, through a contact, I managed to to get a pair of those. And it, I think they were. You said they're huge. They're, they're just massive. When they arrived, they were mm-hmm. my size. They're size ten. Perfect. Yeah, so, I'm, I mean, I'll never wear them. But <laughs> yeah. don't plug <laughs> but, them in. Uh, <laughs> no, no. That's, I mean, and that is the thing is that you collect all this stuff, and some of it is just so nice. It's just it's almost well, it is oh, too it. too good yeah. to use. You know. Yeah, no. I'm terrible. I don't like to display things either. And just, just sort of behind me over here, um, I've got this little sofa bed, and I keep three pairs of different patterns of our flying boot behind there because I don't want to keep them in the garage where it's cold and damp, but I don't want the sun to get to them, so I hide them behind the sofa bed. Yeah, yeah. So it's just sort of like you've got this, like you know, over a thousand pounds worth of boots just sort of <laughs> hidden behind a sofa because you don't want to get them damaged. It's a, it's a strange thing. You're yes. going to hate me as well. So I, I managed to find two. Um, Bancroft's in the space of a week from the States oh. and good prices so bought them both <laughs> in the space of a week but I, I, I do feel that like I was looking for one for a long time and yeah, and yeah like buses two, two came up at once yeah. I find the um, some, I don't know about you I'm a hat size uh, seven and three eighths and it just seems to be one of those sizes that, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's tricky to find I mean, don't get me wrong, I've got various hat stretches around the room in seven and a quarters and seven and one eighths. So uh, I do get quite a headache after putting those on for more than half an hour at a time, though. So. But interestingly, um, I don't know about you, but the, um, when I first started collecting clothing, um, I, I would never dream of buying anything that didn't fit me. Uh, you know, mm. it was a case of, well, no, yeah. I, can't, I can't get that jacket on. That's going to stay on the, on the peg. Mm. But now, with especially some of the that harder to find stuff like like the heated flying clothing um mm-hmm. it's more of a collectible item mm-hmm. than anything yeah. and, and it's certainly not yeah, something you'd, you'd be walking around in for the weekend so mm-hmm. um the size is not so important uh, with that yeah. sort of stuff um yeah, definitely yeah and um, one of the things i thought we could we could touch on as well is there's obviously quite a crossover to a certain degree in um in some of the items especially in flying equipment between the rf and the, and the u.s army air force as well and one of the things that sort of brought me to in, in some of my thinking was there seems to be quite a, a sort of a large price difference for the most part in, in basic flying equipment in for the u.s and um and for the rf and i guess equivalent of that might be um some of the different types of summer flying suits you can generally pick up for you know 100 150 quid maybe in a, in a half decent size whereas a sidcot suit on the rf side of things is you know minimum of four five six hundred quid and you know i think i guess for anybody out there who's looking to do flying impressions we get a lot of these in- questions and you're not maybe you haven't decided between the royal air force or the the u.s army air force yet there's a lot more variety versatility and i think accessibility to the u.s army air force than there probably is for the royal air force i would say yeah definitely um and also it's uh it's very much you can kind of mix and match with the american kit as well um you know that the ref kit um as we've found out in previous episodes of your podcast Mm -hmm. it it changed um fairly rapidly throughout the war but Mm -hmm. the the american kit did the same and um quite often you'll look at a picture of a crew lineup and and you'll and each member of that uh, photo that crew will be wearing something slightly different mm-hmm. um or at the very least they'll be wearing it in a very slightly different way mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. one thing that i've always loved about looking at original photos particularly of the of air crew that they they they've got that swagger about them and they've got that mm-hmm. attitude and you know that they can they can make an a2 jacket and a, yeah. and, a, and, a and a cap just looks looks so cool you know mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm it's a difference between a, a you know a, a, an old guy on a, on a push bike and, and the fonds you know it's <laughs> like yeah like like the guy you're holding up there Andy yeah <laughs> just like that um so but yeah I, I think you can pretty much mix and match and you can actually um you can do a fairly decent air crew impression with with a flight suit and a, and a decent hat and a, yeah. a decent pair of boots um because yeah. you know these guys wouldn't be all kitted up all the time that mm-hmm. they'd they'd get dressed mostly by the aircraft um some of that mm-hmm. kit would stay in the aircraft as well so it's mm-hmm. more of a, a reenactorism i think that you 
you get in the jeep all you know with, with your with your harness yeah. on and everything else you mm-hmm. know um uh and when you see original footage for example the the memphis bell original footage from the war yeah um that's all set up you know it's not it, yeah. it's uh that they're, they're posed shots so um yeah I, I i think i think you can probably get away with with uh with mixing it up a little bit with the american gear. yeah okay yeah, so, so richie richie's uh guilty pleasure is <laughs> a film called pearl harbor you might have heard of it Ooh. now guilty pleasures what's your favorite aviation war <laughs> movie um well can it be a documentary yeah, go on then. Okay. Well, my I would say it's probably in my mind because we watched it last night. Yeah. Um, there's uh, I just mentioned that the original Memphis Bell film. Well, um, yeah. William Wyler shot that footage um, during the war. Um, I think there was a team of four camera operators. They lost one when a plane went down in France. Um, but that footage, he shot a lot of footage that was never used. And um, a couple of years ago, well, a few years ago, it was released a couple of years ago, um, a lot of that footage has been cleaned up and uh, re- restored with 4K restoration and sound and everything. And it's um, it was released as a film, as a documentary mm-hmm. film called The Cold Blue. Um, yeah. And it is absolutely stunning. Uh, anyone with an interest in the Army Air Force really should watch that movie because it's yeah. It, yeah. it's just incredible. I mean, it, it looks beautiful. Um, yeah. I, I did get to the cinema to see it. I think they released it. It was one of those special one-day-only releases. Editions, yeah. 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 Um, and Certainly more accurate than Pearl Harbor anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a good film, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say so. I mean, another yeah. another film, you know, if you have to go down the, the route of a, of a movie, um, I love The Aviator. I've always had a bit of a fascination yeah, with yeah. Howard Hughes, mm-hmm. and that's a great film. Yeah. The Cold Blue's almost like... Uh, like a, they shall not grow old, but U.S. Mm. Army Air Force version, that similar sort of style, I guess, mm. isn't it? Of taking old things and yeah. turning it into something yeah. a bit more more contemporary. Well, that footage that Wyler shot was actually damaged um, initially as well. So when you watch the original film, it's it's very grainy, and um, I think it's uh, Catherine Wyler who's who was responsible for getting the, the, this new movie put together, and she said, you know, mm. he would never have seen it this this clear. You know, and her one yeah, uh, regret was yeah. that he he never did get to see it never like got that. To see it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it is it's stunning. And speaking of um, and films and displays and, and and your eye for detail like that like, like you both have, you've put on some wonderful displays in the past. Um, just some from memory, uh, a, a briefing display I remember quite mm-hmm. rightly. Um, there's a, there's a great photo shoot of, of you guys sort of being filmed and whatnot as well. So uh, it'd, be, it'd be amazing to dive into some of your, I guess maybe maybe those two displays a little bit more and, and how you came up with the idea and, and the amount of work that went into putting on those displays. Yeah, sorry, Al. Just like a, I'll carry on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm aware I'm doing all the talking. Um, yeah, I mean, strangely, it all came together, I think, f- more so when we finally got a, a pyramidal tent within the group because it just gives you so much scope. You can do so much with a pyramidal tent that you, that you can't do with a smaller tent um, or with an outdoor kind of area. So the, the briefing displays um, sort of based on a, more, more like a ninth air force outdoor sort of forward landing strip type mm-hmm. type yeah. briefing um and really um you know a couple of boards and a map and a load of world war ii chairs um you're halfway there really um <laughs> so and we, we you know put some flying kit around and you put the jackets on the back of the chairs and the, the headphones over there you know and it, it very quickly you can just set that scene yeah um but uh, yeah, we, we did a, uh, another version of that at Maple Durham um, mm-hmm. with the the uh, GI forty four to forty five mm-hmm. guys, and that they were portraying um, glider troops, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. And um, yeah, Neil there, he he actually did the, the pre or the the D Day um, briefing, um, and we filmed it. We filled the, the tent for the guys wearing all the kit, and uh, it yeah, it was good. It, 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 yeah. And it's it's sort of thinking outside the box a little bit, isn't it? You know, I think people when they put on displays, you know, dioramas think they've got to have a a tank dug in, and and we've been guilty of this in our group, you know, <laughs> trenches and thirty cals and 
And everybody thinks it has to be this big, huge combat situation with 10,000 sandbags and barbed wire. And it doesn't need to be that way. You know, you don't have to be surrounded by, you know, a squadron of Mustangs for it to be a great aviation display. It can be something more detail oriented, a little bit less frontline, I mm. guess, you know, for, and it, it can still have that same level of appeal and, and education as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we our group goes by the name of sweating out the mission which is the the name given to those guys that the ground crew guys mm-hmm. who were left behind when the, the aircraft took off and went off on missions um and we initially i started a just a facebook page sort of dedicated to ground crews and, and the job that they did and uh we when we first decided to do a display along the same lines i, I just used the name because i had to book in i was filling in the form and thought oh, I'll, I'll just use that name you know and it, it mm-hmm. kind of stuck um so those displays where it's literally the tent, it, um, cot beds, and you know just uh, just the the stuff that you would live with from day to day, mm-hmm. and just inviting people in because everyone likes to whether they like it or not, we kind of drag them in sometimes and say, look, you know, th- <laughs> yeah. this is this is how these guys lived, you know, and you talk about um, see some of those amazing World War Two photos, original photos from places like Thorpe Abbotts in the winter where it's just, you know, the snow and it's freezing cold and you've got yeah. the guys out there working on the aircraft through the night and you've got, you know, guys in the tent sleeping and then one lot of mechanics will come off shift and they'll jump in the, the beds that the guys have just got, got out of to go on mm-hmm. the next shift and it was literally around the clock. And, um, you know, and they can't believe it. And they're saying, you know, well, so, you know, wouldn't they have been cold? You know, yeah, absolutely. You know, Um, we've got a stove that we have in the middle of the the pyramidal as well. So sometimes we have that lit and, um, you know, we just say, yeah, maybe if they were lucky, they could scrounge some coal. You know, if you're in a Nissan hut, you'd have a bucket of coal a day and that would be it Mm -hmm. to keep you warm. And, um, you know, those guys, even though they they weren't taking off and going over, you know, bombing Germany, they they were still very much kind of on the front, front adding, line. Yeah. yeah absolutely and obviously they didn't get to go home until the end either um whereas a, um, a crew of a ship would get to do their 25 or possibly 35 later in the war missions it, yeah. and they'd go home whereas the ground crew guys were there for the yeah. duration and um yeah i think that's that's one of the the things we've said in the past that we really really interest us is the the way that these bases and these the personnel that came over here how they affected the lives of the the locals um mm-hmm. and if you go to these these little sleepy villages like thorpe abbots and you you see the scale of these bases um the, the, the sheer size of them you know that they're like they call them little america and they really were mm-hmm. they were just like towns and um it must have had such an impact you know um so i think there i think i read it there was seven 700 airfields um active airfields um that were in use during the war and 500 of those were built during the war um incredible which is absolutely incredible yeah um i think again it's a bit geeky but the uh the amount of concrete apparently equates (laughs) to four thousand miles of a uh three-lane motorway and that's just in the creation of those airfields yeah Absolutely not. Mm. And of course, the first was uh, Burton Wood, which is close to Richie and I. Yeah, um, sure. Our past or history, anyway. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge place, wasn't it? Yeah, huge, huge. Yeah. <laughs> very, very big. And, and looking forward um, to, to hopefully the season that might be ahead. Um, and let's pretend for a second that everything is, is going to go ahead. Yeah. What What are you guys really looking forward to to this year, and what you're hoping to get from this season? I'll carry on. <laughs> uh, we were talking earlier about um, about Flying Legends. Obviously, that's changed venue, so we're looking forward to yeah, yeah. hopefully if that goes ahead at Sywell. Sywell's a beautiful uh, location. It's very different, um, but it's there's a lovely Art Deco um, hotel and bar there. It's, it's you know it's it's a very nice place. The uh, um, the Grace Spitfires base there, along with several other aircraft. You know, it's it's a, it's a good venue. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Hopefully, if that uh, yeah. goes ahead. Um, no camping on site apparently, so it's a bit different. Oh, we'll have to camp away, but we'll see how that goes. Hotels fully booked, so I can't go there. Yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, it's oh, it's one of those. We talked about it earlier, but it's one of those key events, I think, on the calendar. You know, we've we've got friends who come over to Flying Legends from the states. We've got them from all mm. over Europe. Yeah. Um, it's it's a real mecca for 
for the aviation enthusiasts. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. How it goes there. I, I used to go to an event called the, the, the Fighter Meet at Northweald, which was it be, that became yeah. um, Flying Legends, and it was I yeah, think just this, the M11, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think this is going back a little bit to to the those days. You know, it's a similar sort of vibe. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be good. Um, we've we've booked. There's a few events that we were booked into that didn't happen where the bookings kind of rolled over so uh template war we do that one um mm-hmm. in essex that's that's going yeah. uh Mitch, odyssey. Oh, odyssey yeah. yeah um and victory show hopefully yeah um we'll wait and see yeah, the last one apparently again <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah yeah it's, it'll be a, a sad loss on the calendar that one um Mm-hmm. So we've we've been to we've been to a lot of them. It sometimes clashes with Goodwood. I, I do love Goodwood as well. It's a very yeah, very different yeah, yeah. very different event. Love but, to go to I'd like to go to Goodwood. Yeah, it's that is that is something else. <laughs> it yeah. really is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's um, you get a vintage bit of, world that isn't it really? Absolutely. And you just yeah, you, uh, I love vehicles as well. And you just walk through those garages and you see you know mm-hmm. you see a Bentley's as far as you you know nineteen thirties yeah, Bentley's no. as far as you can mm-hmm. see. It's uh-huh. just it's incredible. So yeah, yeah, fantastic. And Andy, are you, are you a bit inspired now? Are you fancying a bit of um, well aviation kit? Are you now? I am. I've got <laughs> half of an RAF kit already up there in the. Uh, the attic. What what is half an area? Is that top half? Bottom half? It's the top half. It, it's like... the top half. I've got the tunic. <laughs> so you've got a tunic. A tunic, and I've got um, the tie. Got a tie. Did get a hat off the internet, but it was too small. Anyway, um, but to be fair, no. I I, I want to pick some of the RAF stuff up, but I am so keen on the US Army Air Force. I really am. You know, that's kind of my past. I'd love to buy into that, but with the group. And the way the direction it's going, you kind of think about the the full aspect. I'd want to be picking up a uniform that only say Richie's got, for instance. And that's not a problem because we'll duck the dog's bollocks anyway. But certainly with the uh, the RAF stuff, Duxford, it's it's fascinating me this this place. You need to do Duxford. I you love really to. Need to do Duxford. Sounds like I've got to get an invite if I want to be a part of your crew. Yeah. Well, you got you got two options there now as well. You know. We'll see. So. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, uh, well, brilliant. Thank you very yeah. much for your for your time, Stu and Elle. It's been wonderful chatting to you both, and no hopefully we haven't taken up too much of your time. No, 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 no it's been great, great chatting. We could probably go on all day, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we find this all the time. You know, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's so much stuff, and we, we do plan to yeah. reverse around with all of our guests and do a bit of a round two and sort of come back to see what people have been up to since since last time well, as well. So we'll obviously have to zoom, zoom roulette as well. That's what we'll that's, do. That's the way yes. to go. Yes. That's the way to go. It's the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Andy, I'll leave that one in your capable hands, mate. Oh God, like everything else. <laughs> well, uh, in the meantime, we'll uh, we'll see all of our lovely listeners again soon. But for now, take care. Thanks. See you soon. See you Cheers, guys. Thank you. Bye. Cheers.